What up, everybody, and welcome to the Black Expat Podcast, coming at you guys live from somewhere in the world for yet another episode. I'm back, y'all. It's been a long time. I've been off of YouTube, but I'm so very excited to be back with an amazing guest. But before I jump into all things new with the Black Expat Podcast and this amazing interview that I'm about to do, more of a conversation, not really an interview, with Zach Bess. You guys know what time it is. Have a drink with me. Ah, Zach, how so, are you doing? I'm good. That first uh, sip of beer after a workday, nothing hits better. Now, what kind of beer are you drinking today? Before I introduce mine, what are you drinking on? I am drinking a Opportunity Awaits Hazy Indian Pale Ale from Duclaw Brewing out of Baltimore, Maryland. Ooh, now are you a traditional IPA guy? Are you more of a Pilsner guy? Or are you just, you know what? I enjoy a good beer that tastes good. It's an always evolving answer. Um, for quite a while, I was an IPA person, still am, but I like to mix in some nice Pilsners, lagers, you know, just something a little bit crisper, lighter uh, in there with the IPAs. Also, depending on the day, a nice sour can do a can do the nice trick too. Now, you know what? That's actually a great answer. I've never even thought about it that way, right? That, that answer is always evolving because truth be told, I didn't drink beer until I was 25 years old because my dad drank beer and I was like, man, he always smells weird when he drinks beer. I don't want to smell like that. Then when I started drinking beer, I was drinking what he drank, Miller Lights. And then I traveled around the world and I realized those are disgusting. I'm sorry, Miller, if you guys want to sponsor me, I'll say they taste good. But until then, I didn't really like the way they taste, so I didn't drink it. And I drank everything else instead. I am actually drinking... A dark, rich, and sexy. I'm not making it up, guys. It's actually the name of the beer. It's a porter, and it's called a dark, rich, and sexy porter. I'm not going to say who made it because, again, they ain't sponsoring this video. But it is amazing. I started off with a dark beer because it's the Black Expat Podcast. But also, I want to be dark, rich, and sexy. I'm already two, two out of three of those things, so that's okay. There Guess you go. which one I'm not, y'all. Anyway, Zach, let's get into it. More about you. What's been going on with you, uh, I don't know, the past three years during the pandemic? How's life? What are you into? What are you working on? Uh, professionally, outside of professionalism, work stuff, like what's going on with you? Great question. Yeah. So uh, over the past three years, kind of crazy that we're already working within that time frame to talk about the pandemic, all that stuff. Been working for Pack Up and Go. Uh, started off on the trip planning side of things, was doing that for the first three years there. And for the about seven months now, I've been working as the operations partnerships manager. Working in travel during a global pandemic been quite the roller coaster. We saw some of the, you know, um, lowest of the lows, and then we had some of the highest of the highs. And it's just been something to keep you occupied everywhere in between. Outside of work, same thing. Been some pretty low moments during the pandemic. Also been some pretty awesome moments. Not the pandemic being awesome, just awesome moments over the past couple of years. Done a lot of reading, taken a lot of walks, but I've also had a chance to go on a lot of trips myself, which in March or April of 2020, I would have not have thought that I've been traveling a lot in the year or two past that point, but thankfully I have. I've been in California a couple of times, was just recently in Seattle, made my way to Brussels and Belgium a couple of weeks ago. And I went to Chicago as well and New York a couple of times. So a lot more travel than expected over the past two years. Then at home, lots of reading, lots of TV shows, also lots of cooking. And like one of the big pandemic trends, I even got into bread baking a little bit. 
still working right. on it. Uh, I'm not quite sure if I can call myself a baker yet, but it's something <laughs> I've been enjoying. Uh, but yeah, you know, just trying to enjoy life here. What about you? And you know, we you just touched on a lot of different things, right? And when I was making YouTube videos and podcasting during the pandemic, it was always like, you know, how do we get ourselves through it? How do we develop either new habits? I was always saying, hey, use this downtime to find your to find your niche, to find something that you enjoy doing, do something you never thought you would be able to do. Or like you said, to just pick up a book, read a book, go to a local bar. Uh, uh, I take that back. You could not go to many bars in Taiwan or in America, for that matter, during the pandemic. But, you know, go stand outside your local bar and not look at it. I don't know. Uh, but where, where are you originally from? Right. So are, were you born and raised in Pittsburgh? Uh, and how did living where you lived kind of lead you to want to travel to other places? Because I, a lot of people I talk to say, you know what? Everything I have is where I'm from. Like people from Chicago. Chicago had everything. You got good food, great people, et cetera, et cetera. But like, what about where you're from made you want to see other places, not just in America, but also in the world as well? So I grew up in Butler, Pennsylvania. It's about 35 miles north of Pittsburgh. It takes me about an hour to drive home to see my parents. Butler is, you know, small, small town outside of the big city. And I think that that did shape my desire to travel kind of for the opposite reasons, just describing how Chicago kind of has everything. Butler, not as much. Pretty small population, not the best restaurant selection. Great place to grow up. But at the same time, when you're there and you're watching TV, I remember, I think it was watching the Olympics when I was a kid, just seeing all the different countries represented. Kind of had that moment where I'm like, I want to go to those places. I don't even know where that is, but I want to go there. I want to see what it's all about. And then my grandmother, she traveled a ton throughout her life. She's been to every continent other than Antarctica, but her little sister went to Antarctica. So between the two of them, everywhere. My sister, she's just a couple of years older than me. She's done a lot of traveling as well. And I think those two influences really nurtured that desire to see more places. So growing up in a small town kind of made me want to get out, see some bigger cities, see what all is out there. Then having a couple of role models who did a lot of traveling themselves and always had great things to say about their travels, really made me want to get out there. So once I started, never really looked back, although I still am in the close to where I grew up. I'm not that far from Butler, but never looked back as far as wanting to continue on with traveling. You know, so, so like, I guess what stands out to me, my other thing you said is that I don't really have anybody that traveled a lot that I talked or even talked about traveling when I was growing up. I think the one memory that I do have about travel was my father, he worked for, he was a vice president of a bank and he went to London uh, on business and he came back with like this little London doll. And I always kept it because I was like, I didn't really know what it was at the time. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And it seems like this place was very different from mine. And I, and that's the one thing I always remember when I took my first trip out of the country, which was to, um, ooh, where did I go with my first trip? To Egypt. That was my first yeah. trip. First trip to you guys, I'm not that old. Uh, well, it was to Egypt. Uh, so yeah, but I, I didn't really grow up with a lot of people talking about travel or talking about other places, even outside of Chicago. Um, my family, we traveled a lot, but not when I got older. I think it was easier for my parents to travel with us when we were younger uh, because, you know, cheaper, older kids need their own rooms, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but as I got older, it was more like academics and I was really into sports and uh, I was just focused on, you know, getting into college. I went to college in Indiana, which is... Uh, A great place to go to school. <laughs> I take that back. My university is a great place to go to school. Indiana, uh, we'll, we'll see. Hit or miss. So uh, 
<laughs> my next question was going to be about college, but I'm going to shift away from that one for a second. College was traumatic for me in a lot of ways, but also a great a great jumping off point for me. Where have you traveled internationally? And, uh, and like, what are some of the highlights of the experiences you've had in other countries? Internationally, I've traveled to, trying to think chronologically, Canada a couple of times. Being from northern Pennsylvania, pretty easy to get there. Toronto, awesome, world-class city. Really would like to go back. I've uh, been to England a couple of times. The first time I went there was to visit my sister when she was studying in London. I went to Paris. First time I went there and only time I went there was when my sister was living in France. So again, that influence of her being travel of her traveling really helped me get out there. I had an internship at one point in Monrovia in Liberia. Uh, that was an experience unlike anything else. I went to Israel briefly once for about 10 days. And then other than that, Vienna in Austria, Prague in Czech Republic. And then I had a pretty extensive time in Australia, during which time I was also fortunate enough to visit um, Southeast Asia and as well as Japan and South Korea. All of those experiences were great. Oh, I just forgot. I also went to Mexico City the fall before the pandemic. Asking me to pick out a favorite, though, pretty impossible. They were all great in their own ways, and they've all influenced any subsequent trip I've gone on. Just the experiences of being in a new place, I think, always makes it more intriguing, but also easier to go to another new place because you keep on learning that people pretty much are friendly everywhere. Food, good everywhere. It's just always fun to go somewhere new. Um, But I think some of my favorite food, and that's always kind of my frame of thought when I'm traveling, (laughs) is food. Mexico City, amazing. Tokyo, amazing and everywhere else all amazing but those two cities really stand out as as just the continual 24 7 eating capitals that i've been to and you know what i went to osaka and now that i think about it because i actually did a youtube series where i highlighted my trip in osaka i ate a lot and the food was always amazing but you don't like when i think of japan i don't the first thing that comes to my mind isn't it isn't ramen, guys. But like, it isn't food. It's like you know, culture and temples and those little monkeys they got in that big that big ass mountain. They got smoke coming out of it. Oh yeah. But so, but like, yeah, like you said, like once you, when you actually go there and you eat, guess what I want to say is not everybody really factors in the kind of like how much how how important food is to your experience you have in a place. Because I say that everyone I've talked to a lot of people recently who've either gone to France, are going to France, or who are currently in France. And France is one of the, I, I don't want to go back. I have no one, the impression that left on me is that I have no intention or do I ever want to go back. It was all about love and like just mean people and cigarette smoke and, and wine. <laughs> I only like one of those, five, I only like one of five of those things, which is which is the wine, obviously. But man, the front, okay, crepes, other than the crepes, <laughs> I didn't like any, I didn't like any of the food and Not I didn't cheese? like any of the people. Well, I'm lactose intolerant, so I didn't, I didn't want any of the cheese. The but bread. the wine was amazing. The crepes were good, but I didn't like any other food. I don't know. You can get by with wine and crepes. No, and that's exactly what I did. Because funny story, that was a year. My first year trip when I was twenty one years old, and it was, it cost ten thousand dollars. I didn't have ten thousand dollars, but that's how much it cost. And um, uh, the first place we went to was ooh, where we go first, Italy, and we spent four thousand of our ten thousand, well, four thousand of our individual ten thousand dollars in Italy. So by the time we got to France, and as you probably know, France is super expensive. I had like I, my budget because we we're going to the Olympics was I have $200 for five days in France and I'm going to make this work. So it was a lot of street tacos because tacos are great all over the world, I feel like, and wine and crepes because wine was 
It's not about two dollars. That was my entire experience. That's how much I love it. So usually when I talk to people about like where they travel to, right, there's always like a pattern or a reason why you ended up. And I know you said that some of the experiences you had, one place kind of led to another. Is there any place you felt like you focused too much on or a place you want to focus more on? Or, or what were one of those places where I went to explore this region of the world because I had an amazing experience in this part, which is kind of connected or maybe not connected and made you just want to learn more about that place? Man. It's a great question. Um, I feel like I could go so many directions. You asked if there was anywhere I focused on too much. I'm going to say no, but in 2016, I spent most of the year in Australia, primarily living in Melbourne or Melbourne. And I loved it. It was great. Really didn't want to leave. But when I was there, I did not go to New Zealand. I had originally... I can't even say plan to go there. I had originally thought that I was going to go there while I was in Australia. Mind you, before I got there, I also thought it was like a two-hour flight between the two countries, not a like seven-hour flight or maybe <laughs> longer than that. Fact check me later. I know it was a pretty long flight. But when I was in Australia, some of my friends here in the US texted me the one day and said that they were going to Tokyo and asked me if I wanted to join them. Mind you, I was living in Melbourne. I was To get to Tokyo, I had to fly, I think, two different six-hour flights. It was a pretty long time to get there, but there was no jet lag because it was just going north, not going east or west. Super convenient. So I did that, had a great time in, Jap in, in Japan, but I didn't go to New Zealand. So I think to kind of answer that question of where I focused on too much, as much as I loved Australia, it would have been nice had I built in a little bit more time and a little bit more budget to go to New Zealand because I've heard great things and it's so far away that short of another big adventure to that part of the world, which, you know, pretty hard to come by, um, just not quite sure when I'm going to make it there. So that's the first answer to that one. And then as far as like where I want to go back or what place has kind of drawn me in more, I think I have two, two answers for that. When I went to Mexico City in 2019, I was just blown away. I thought it was such a cool place. Like I said, I thought the food was amazing. And I was super intrigued by it. Haven't really spent much time in that part of the world and would definitely like to go back. Likewise, I've been to a couple of places in Europe, but considering how close it is and how easy it is to get to comparatively, I would like to go back there as well. There's just so many places that I, like when you were mentioning Italy, haven't been there, only ever heard good, heard good things. Also heard great things about Amsterdam, Copenhagen, you name it. There's just so many cities in Europe that I haven't been to that just seem like they're great to go to, great food, great culture. So I guess wanted to go to Mexico more, but also wanted to go back to Europe. So really anywhere. Uh, take it from me. I'm going to tell you firsthand. And the thing is, when, when I tell people that like, yeah, I loved Amsterdam, I'm like, oh, I know why you loved it, but it's really <laughs> not that. Amsterdam was there's so much culture there and like first of all people who live there the Dutch they are super tops so like I felt like a, a mini superstar because there wouldn't be that many black people there but everybody was like eight feet tall but other than that it's just so much culture there and like the food um I remember every meal I ate in Amsterdam I also remember I stayed in this Irish okay I didn't book this my friend Brad shout out to Brad uh, he was like the travel planner back then because I had no idea I had nothing he was a big travel guy so he we were just following him. And he booked us at this Irish hostel and like it was Premier League or some some sort of sporting event going on. So the bar was like full of Irish people. 
So then me, it was me, Brad, and my other friend, and then two black guys and a white guy. And when we walked in, like everybody talked, Zach, it got, it was dead silent. We walked in, everybody looked at us like, and I thought it was because we was black. It was not because we were black. I think it was a little bit of, I'm not going to lie, but it wasn't because of that. It was because they were like, why y'all got those bags out? Grab a drink. And they made us take three shots. Oh. It was like, so, they didn't make us. Of course, they asked. And I said, yeah, because, you know, we're here to party. But it was just like such an amazing experience. And I was like, why? why not? They was like, yeah, it's whatever people walk in, they always see who's going to be fun, who's not going to be fun. This is what we do here in the Irish bar. And I was like, hey, this is amazing. Not a great place to sleep, though, because they kept that bar open at 3 a.m. Uh, but it was a great place um, to just be. And I have another story I'll share with you uh, off this off this that happened there. Again, not, not like that, y'all. Y'all calm down. But it is a very, very good story about uh, a young princess from, um, I forget that place over there next to Amsterdam, but it was an amazing place I want to go see. Uh, but, all right, enough about that. I want to get into some heavy stuff before I get into the fun stuff, because I have a big question about the fun stuff. But the heavy stuff. When you were traveling, were there a lot of men traveling that you saw? I think so. I can't say I kept a running tally on who I was encountering, but I feel like most of the travel experiences I've had have been pretty much 50-50, whether I'm talking about people I've met at hostels, people I met when working abroad, uh, people just encountered in, in other ways when you're traveling, whether it's just asking somebody for directions or chatting with people when you're waiting for your flight. I feel like it was always pretty much 50-50. Now, when you work, because you and I both work in travel, a lot of men that you encounter, like whether in your current role or just in other roles or just traveling around America, do you, do you sense or do you feel or have you seen a lot of men working in the travel industry in the same way or in similar ways that you're working in the travel industry? In my current role um, as the operations partnerships, a lot of the hotel, I mean, uh, overall, a lot of the people I'm working with are directors of sales and marketing at hotels. And again, I think I've got to say that's probably about 50-50 as well. That's as far as the internal side of things, or I'm sorry, the external communication goes, 50-50. Uh, Within the company, um, that's not the case. Uh, but yeah, I think externally, again, haven't, ha- haven't, kept a, haven't kept tabs on it, but as far as who I email with and who I have conversations with on a daily or weekly basis, I think it's pretty much 50-50 from what I've observed. I'm giving you guys uh, uh, some some insider trading. Men, men, Zach, do work together. Uh, we are also, uh, for those of you guys who may be listening that we work with, this is definitely a bonus. I think it's a great thing. We are the only two men on the team. Um, Zach is on there before, way, way before I was. Uh, but yeah, like we are the only two men on the team. Like Again, within reason. How does that feel to be like one of two men on like this big team that we have? Yeah. I mean, I came in from working in restaurants, which that's a whole different beast. Working as a, as a waiter in a restaurant is just a completely different thing. It's great. It's also not great. Depends on the day. And going into my current job, it was a very small company when I started and it just kind of, it felt natural going in there, even though at that time I was, I think one of seven or eight and I was the only guy. And now uh, it's a little bit bigger. One of only a couple guys the entire time. I've, I felt pretty good. Um, felt pretty natural with it. I don't know. Um, I've got, I get, feel like I get along with pretty much everybody at work. At least I hope so. Especially if you're listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it for sure. 
The reason why I ask that because like I found some numbers, uh, and these are not these are not numbers based on actual data because I don't I don't like to get into the business of supplying data and debating those unless I'm talking about something I really really something I'm in, invested in and it's for a purpose of change, right? But in this, there was like a bunch of polls taken. I won't cite sources. I'll just just guys trust me on this, right? Um, they said that uh, in the travel industry as a whole, like thirty percent of the leadership are males and seventy percent of the leadership. Are non-males now hear me out now, now when they when they say leadership they mean people who are driving the industry forward so it may not it's not it doesn't mean specifically only ceos or only directors or only managers this is like people who are driving the industry forward and are making significant change based on this survey was women compared to men which is why i asked those questions about okay because you work in a different part of the industry than i have and you've also traveled differently than i have and um, what do you see when you go out i'm also from from my experience the reason why i started the podcast um there weren't a lot of black people especially Black men, particularly, that I seen while traveling internationally at all when I first started. Now, I feel like, and I hope, and I know for a fact, I think that's changed since 11 years ago when I took my first trip abroad. Um, but it's always just interesting to talk about, like, you know, when you travel and you're abroad, how does it feel from a male perspective? Like, all right, when you're out there doing things, like, what are you looking for? What are you traveling for? So, my next question is, what were you traveling for when you went to different countries? Wow, that's a really good one. That definitely depends on the time and situation. So to go to the longest trip I've taken, that was in 2016. So that started off, uh, the, the whole goal of that trip was to live in Australia, which I did. But the trip started going to, because Australia was so far, I was like, well, I'm just going to make an adventure on both sides of the Australia portion. So I started off going to Southeast Asia, flew to Singapore, then I went to Thailand and Malaysia, then spent a bunch of time in Australia. And on the way out, I went back along with going to Japan while I was there and South Korea, went to Malaysia and then flew through Europe to Austria and Czech Republic. That entire experience really boiled down to just looking for a change, a way to shake things up. I've been working for a few years at a restaurant in Pittsburgh. And the one day I just had an epiphany that, hey, I can wait tables in Pittsburgh. I can probably wait tables anywhere else that speaks English. Why not? So I got a visa to go to Australia. And when people are asking me, like, why are you doing that? Why are you going there? I don't know. Just want to see what it's all about. It's really far away. And when else will I have this opportunity to go there, see it, see what it's all about? So for that, I think it was really just kind of curiosity and finding on the map, like, where can I go that I'll be able to work both legally and also as far as the language goes, like where will be the both, both interesting, but also the lowest barrier to entry for that experience. Other places, that's usually more just a combination of curiosity and then budget and time. So with Mexico City, for instance, I wanted to go and do another big thing. That was when I was working for Pack Up and Go, so 2019. I was wanting to go somewhere for a month, but obviously that wasn't really in the cards. So I still wanted to go somewhere that was going to be very different from where I've been before. So I started looking around and at first I was looking at Europe. The flights were pretty expensive and they were going to anything that was going to be a little bit cheaper was going to take upwards of 12 hours or so to get there. That just wasn't really sitting well with me because again, I, I didn't want to take too, too, too much um, time off, but I wanted to go somewhere cool. So again, going back to my sister, who I've mentioned a couple of times, being a great resource for advice on all things, but especially with traveling, 
I told her, I was like, yo, Emily, like I want to go somewhere. I don't know where to go, but I want to go somewhere different that has awesome food. And she's like, yo, go to Mexico city. There's no jet lag. Doesn't take that long to get there. You can probably find a cheap flight through New York. You're going to love it. So I texted a buddy of mine who lives in New York, asked him if he wanted to meet up at the airport and go to Mexico city. He said he was down. So he went. So that's a good example of kind of letting time and budget plus curiosity kind of guide the way as opposed to just waking up one day and going, I have to go to Paris because they have good wine. So I'm going to go there. I'm sure they do. And I would love to go back and experience that. But this is a much more open-ended kind of curiosity guiding the way. Um, As far as, I feel like I'm losing my train of thought real quick here. Oh, what's motivating me to go different places? Um, I mean, I went to Brussels a couple of weeks ago. That was literally because my sister needed help moving there. So that was probably the only trip I've gone on where it came about, or international trip where it came about because somebody else just asked me to go there to help them. That's a pretty rare opportunity, but it was still pretty cool because I saw a city that really I would have never thought to to go to my go go to myself, and I got to see it in a different way. Instead of just going there as a tourist, which is you know how you usually go somewhere when you are a tourist, I went there to help somebody move there, which let me see just kind of the more day to day residential aspect of going there. We spent like six hours at Ikea one day. You never really do that when you're just on vacation, but it's still kind of interesting because you get to see how do people in this country shop for furniture? How do people in that country shop for furniture? So I think my trips have kind of always been guided by different motivations, whether it's curiosity in that instance, helping somebody else or just wanting to get far away from home and see what it's all about. Uh, kind of always, always depends. You know, like that's, and that's so interesting because I think one of the things that, uh, like the way, the way I, the way I look at my experiences, right? Because when I did travel to Beijing, I went there for school, but I also went there. I lived there for six months, so it was like, yeah, I'm visiting, yeah, I'm in school, but I'm also living here. So I have a, but there also is different between living there as a person with a job and living in Beijing as a person that is a student. Because students, you have cafeterias, you have um, resources on a campus for you. Whereas, you know, when you live and work in a place, you got to find your own food. And even mm-hmm. uh, even though I was a student that had food on campus, I didn't, my language ability was not good enough to get what I needed. So I ended up going off campus a lot more. I bought a motorcycle. It was a whole thing. But oh, wow. um, even with Taiwan, like I lived in Taiwan. So, and I would tell people, I said, it's a great place to live, not the best place to visit for an extended period of time because kind of what you see is what you get the first three days. After that, it's like we can do different things, but things you can do in, in uh, very similarly in other places. But but you're right. I mean, I can think of one of the things I try to do, and I know this is kind of a pack up egoy thing too, but it's like a, to live like a local, even when I'm visiting, because usually when you go abroad, you stay there for at least at least seven days, I would imagine. Um, and like, and so for me, like a local is going to a local bar. But I would have never even thought of like, oh, let's just go to Ikea or let's go to a grocery store. Like how many countries have you visited? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the I'm going to go to the grocery store like because you would just go out to eat. You want to go to new restaurants and get photos for IG and all that. But uh, that really made me think more deeply about what it means to be a local or act like a local in a new place. Like do things that you do at home in the place that you're in, which is also part of my next podcast. I'm going to be putting out. You guys check that out. Coming to you soon. But what was it like traveling during the pandemic to Brussels? Uh, like, what did it look like? What did it feel like? Were there any restrictions? Uh, anything that kind of held you guys back? Uh, what was that experience like? The actual trip itself was great. The buildup 
there were definitely some challenges there um, because we had to fly. We flew from from Dulles in DC, flew through Frankfurt in Germany before flying to Brussels. So that meant because of the pandemic, we had to figure out what the entry requirements were for Frankfurt and what the entry requirements were for uh, Brussels. Obviously, visa, that's the easy part. It was just parsing out what country had what regulations for vaccine requirements. I had the J&J shot, and then after that, I got a Moderna booster. And a lot of the paperwork I was seeing were saying that they wanted you to have like two J&J shots plus a booster or all these different combinations. And I couldn't quite tell if I had the right combinations, but I was like, well, I, I think I do. So it's going to go on good faith that I have it. But as a backup, I went and got a test because it was like, if you don't have these vaccines, a negative test within 48 hours of departure will be good enough. And so timing that out to make sure that you have the test in time to get the results in time, you know, seemed like a whole headache. Lo and behold, when we got there going through, they barely looked at the documents. <laughs> it, it felt like you were just waved through. So that, that was cool. But then at the end of the trip, Coming back to the U.S., the U.S., instead of having a vaccine requirement like Germany and Belgium did, the requirement to get back into the U.S., regardless of your citizenship status or your vaccination status, you have to have a negative test within 24 hours of your flight departing, which as we all know, getting a test, and it couldn't be a rapid test. It had to be like an officially administered test by some kind of official, like, you know, at a pharmacy or testing center. So I was like, oh my gosh, like how do I get, how do I make sure I have that 24 hour test? That's a pretty quick turnaround time. But again, thankfully much easier than I thought I went to. And again, this kind of goes back to living like a local, went to a pharmacy in a residential neighborhood in Brussels. Never really do that when you're on vacation unless something bad happens, but just walked in, I was able to get a test right away and got my results pretty quickly. And I was, and I was allowed back into the U S so those two, like the prepping to go and the prepping to come home, those were challenges. Being there, it was just like being in a big city here in the U.S. I've been to a couple of cities during the pandemic in the in the time period after vaccinations became more common and after more things were open. Felt pretty much like that. A couple of places asked to see proof of vaccination. Some places required masks, but then again, some places didn't. And so it was just kind of like being being in a lot of other places in the U.S. where there was some level of restrictions, but it was pretty easy and the city seemed to be bustling. It was just everything was going on everywhere. Although I will say one thing that I noticed, and I don't know if this is a COVID thing or just a cultural thing. So if there's any Brussels experts out there, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> you and I both talked about liking to sit at the bar when we're traveling alone. There were a couple of times because again, I was there helping my sister and her five-year-old son move to the city. There were a couple of times where after, after he went to bed and after my sister was just kind of relaxing for the day, I was, was exploring because Brussels has a pretty awesome beer culture. Going out to some bars, bar seating didn't really exist. A couple of times I sat at the bar and was told to sit in a, sit at a table instead. So there were, there were uh, bar stools at the bars, but people weren't sitting in them and I guess they weren't supposed to. So that... That made it, um, that was one thing that I, I wish was different because when you're alone and in a different country, it's really nice to sit at the bar and whether you're chatting with the bartender, which is a great way to learn or just kind of sitting there observing, 
kind of nice. You kind of feel, at least I kind of feel a little bit goofy when I'm just sitting yeah, at a table, like in the middle of the bar, just like drinking a beer right there, just looking around. But hey, different cities have different roles, different cultures. So it's all good. You know, and that is so fascinating because, again, I, I know you and I talked about this before, but it's like, I, I would never imagine a place where like, no, we don't want you to sit at the bar. And le- like, it's all okay. No, because like, for me, from a business standpoint, it doesn't make any sense to have an empty bar area. You want people having people sit at the bar looks better, in my opinion, having people sitting at tables. But I also get from maybe a server's perspective, you get tips and stuff if you sit at the table. I don't know. But man, that's that's actually quite fascinating. Because also I don't know if like you don't have to tell me, but like if the if women, if I'm out, you know, I'm a young single man and I'm exploring Brussels on my own. And it's like if women like, hey, they see you sitting at the table, do it. Do they still talk to you or not even women, men or anyone just approach you because you're sitting at a table by yourself or did no one even approach you because you're sitting at the table? They think like, oh, he must be waiting on someone or, oh, he doesn't have any friends. So he just sit at a table by himself. Yeah, nobody approached me. Um, didn't really make a lot of small talk there. It was friendly people, but just kind of doing my own thing. Uh, the servers and bartenders were attentive and friendly, but not a whole lot of small talk, not a lot of chatting, which again, that's what I was looking for from wanting to set at the bar because that's how you, like you were just saying a little bit ago, drinking like a local, shopping like a local, going out to a restaurant really makes a big difference. And one of the best ways to do that is to just chat with a bartender. Couldn't do it. All right. This this is going to be a build up to a, to a longer question. So I'm going to share a little bit of a story. So one of the most romantic, beautiful places I ever went to, I went to with my best friend, Who's the guy? And it was the Philippines. Philippines is a bit, it was beautiful. The place we booked, because we were actually, you know, we, we play in international travel trips. So we we're going there for like R&D, for research and development. But we ended up like, the place that we booked, we didn't know. Like, you know, like, you know, sometimes you look on the internet and like eight years ago, it wasn't that much information. Like, oh, this, it looks nice. But you don't realize that it looks super nice. We were that it was just so romantic the 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 airbnb we stayed in the philippines was romantic it had like a private pool they brought us champagne up on arrival like you walk down like a little alley and then there's it opens up to a beach with a a shipwreck on the beach but you can walk on the shipwreck and like it's birds and And i'm sitting there like man this is beautiful but it's like what do we take a picture of together because like we don't (laughs) want to sell it like it's a we don't want to sell it like it's a romantic spot but it is a romantic spot because we were trying to cater to everybody so like in regards of photography, we needed more people there to sell it the way we were trying to sell it. But super romantic. Um, everything we did in the Philippines was, other than swimming with whale sharks, everything else was just so romantic. We were like, man, we really dropped the ball on planning how to navigate around this place because we were trying to sell custom packages that anybody can go to. But if I were to send someone back, it would be couples. Like if you're getting married, you should go to the Philippines for your for your honeymoon because one, it's super cheap when you're there. It may be expensive to get there, but compared to how much you would spend on the flight versus how much you spend when you got there, it would balance out to going to Jamaica or even going to, you know, wow. to, to Puerto Rico uh, for an all-inclusive vacation. The same, maybe less. So for you, what are some places that you would want to go to with your best friends, guys, girls, whatever, with your best friends to a place uh, that either you've been to or that you're looking forward to going to? Where is a place that you think is like, this is a romantic adventure that I would go to, uh, again, that you've already been to or that you want to go to? And where is a place that you would have been to that you would recommend people going just on their own, uh, whether you've already been to or that you've also or that you've researched you want to go to as well? So you're saying good place for romantic, good place for a friend trip and good place for a solo trip. Is that yes. how I'm understanding it? 
I'm going to have the most cliche answer in the world for romantic. I would love to go with my girlfriend, Leah, to Paris because it's just so cliche, but I think cliche for a reason because it's got that, the wine and the crepes and the views, and it's just classic romantic. And I think that's just something that kind of draws me in. I was there when I was in college. I was there with my mom, dad, and sister. So that was not a romantic trip, but... (laughs) Would like to go back, and I feel like I'm, if I'm going to go back there, definitely going to make that a romantic trip. But what you were just saying, I've spent a little bit of time in Southeast Asia, and I've never gone to any of these amazing resorts that I've heard about. I think that'd be a pretty cool place to go as well for a nice romantic trip. Uh, switching gears to a friend trip. Lots of places. I think that going to South America, that's a... That's a entire continent that I have not gone to when I was, when I, after coming back from Mexico city, some people said that if I liked it there, I should go to South America next to continue on with the food exploration. I was in Mexico city with one of my good friends and just based on that experience and then based on what I've heard subsequently, I think going somewhere in South America would be a really cool experience with some friends again, haven't been yet. So not quite sure how that would go. As far as solo trips, I think anywhere can be a good solo destination as long as you prepare correctly. Um, So I'm not quite sure where my first uh, reaction for a solo trip would be. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm going to help you because it's something you've already said earlier. Uh, Great question. (laughs) First, but but before I help you, well, no, I'll help you with that first. For a solo trip, I think because I've been there and you can hitchhike and it's so calm and peaceful and, again, language barrier kind of thing, I think when you go on a solo trip, for me, I would go somewhere where I don't speak the language. I feel like on my own, I can figure it out. But it also would depend on like the crime rate there because, you know, I know what it is. But I think as a solo trip, New Zealand, mm, because cool. it's, I, it's getting the People are like, oh, like, how do you pick your favorite place you've ever been to? And it's not just because my godson and one of my best friends ever is there. Okay, it is a part of it because I was there. When, I was with her when I was there. But New Zealand is just amazing. Uh, it's it's Australia light is what I call it. And that's not a disrespect to New Zealand at all. It's just, it's not as loud and as out there. It's like, especially Melbourne, right? Melbourne, especially some, summertime Melbourne is, whew, man, yeah. the Australian women. Anyway, but um, so... It's not, you know, it's not that, but um, it's kind of calm and laid back, but there's so much culture, so much nature, uh, and the people are super friendly, and it is like a hitchhiking backpacker town, so you wouldn't feel out of place, but it's so much to explore. You can actually explore a lot, and you don't even need a car. You can literally hitchhike all over New Zealand, a great place to go solo, but when you talk about South America, that's the one continent I haven't been to, that in Antarctica, but like, I really want to get to South America, but when you're, the reason why I asked you those questions earlier I've been in, you know, the Asian, you know, that side of the world where I went to Europe and Asia and Australia, New Zealand, but I, I never made it back down to the Americas, to mm. North America. So because of the flight times and the prices, I was like, I'm not going to fly 30, 38, 42 hours to go to South America when I, yeah, yeah. you know, go eight to 12 hours anywhere else. Um, so just like, it really matters where you are. And I even think about that for people who are in America, like how they think of where they travel to, like you can get a direct flight to Europe from New York. You can get a direct flight to Asia from California and even from New York as well. But, um, you know, there's other places beyond that, like New Zealand, there aren't any direct flights to New Zealand yeah. or even to India. Like those are places that you don't really think about exploring just because 
you look at what's what you can get to quickly because in America we have that two weeks. Whereas in Australia they have those uh three month vacations where it's <laughs> like the world is your oyster. Paid three month vacations. Yeah. For most people. So it's crazy. But yeah, so um, the one thing I will disagree on is France. Okay. I wouldn't I it's just I just really hated it. I'm sorry. I I know I only know how to talk about. It. I just I really dislike my experience in France. I but I feel like you would have a different experience with me. I actually would look forward to you going and then telling me how much you liked it versus or versus my experience. Or Italy. Now that I think of it, Italy's another one I think I would wrap into that. Or just really anywhere on the Mediterranean. Um, it just looks romantic, looks beautiful. I've only ever heard good heard good things about the food. So whether it's the south of France, Italy somewhere in the Adriatic, really all of it, I think would be awesome for a romantic trip. So it doesn't have to be Paris. I know that Paris is not on the Mediterranean, but you know, just saying anywhere in that general, very broad region, I think would fit that need pretty well. But then you mentioning New Zealand for a solo trip. I agree with that too, but that reminds me a friend of mine. She's an American who I met in Australia and now she lives in New Zealand she told me about taking a solo trip to Ireland. That sounded amazing. And what she was telling me as well was that it was a great place to hitchhike and just kind of like very similar to New Zealand, the extreme safety that you had there of like, yeah, you can just like walk down the street and then somebody just slows their car down and it's like, Hey, need a ride into town. And you don't even think twice. You just jump in and go. I've never experienced that anywhere. I haven't been to Ireland. I haven't been to New Zealand, but it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And the thing is like, and when I was in China, like, I guess that was why I was hesitant of doing it in New Zealand until my friend said, no, it's fine. Because in China, they have like these black taxi cabs where they'd be like, hey, you want to ride? But of course they're going to charge you for it. But it's like, first of all, I hate the term black taxi cab. But like most of the times when I saw them, they were black cars. So it's like, I'm not gonna get into a black car with tinted windows, or you don't like it. Just it is it is seems a little, a little shifty. But in New Zealand, it was like Volkswagens, and that sounds very uh, what's what I'm trying to say. They had more than Volkswagens, guys. It was, but I did see a bunch of Volkswagens. It was Volkswagens and Benzes, and no matter what it was, just picking up and taking you down the road. But like long distances, because I think the shortest trip between cities we took was like an hour and forty five minutes. So it was a lot, but again, definitely, definitely worth it. Right, so I guess one of my. Hmm? You hitchhiked an hour and 40 minutes? Yeah, you just get in the car, man. They're going that direction. You go. Dang. It's like, it's, like it's a great way to make friends. And the thing is, I was I was still with another person, so it was like a little bit different. But even I've seen uh, one of my oh, one of my friends I worked with in Taiwan, who was Taiwanese-American, uh, she was a, a solo female traveler, and she was hitchhiking all the time by herself. She's like, yeah, it's, to get in, you talk to them. Like, if you see somebody, they, they look a little weird, just don't get in. Just get in where you feel safe. But she was like, my experience hitchhiking with everybody, I always felt safe because you can just get out and run and you'll yeah. find like, I mean, like, yeah, I always have your running shoes on, I guess. But I guess one of my final questions would be, um, where would you go? Uh, where would you like to go? Anywhere in the world. It can be America or beyond. Uh, with a stranger. And with a stranger. Yeah, with a stranger. Stranger. Wow. I, I can honestly say that I have never thought of that question before. I feel like a lot of the other scenarios you've presented, I have thought of, never thought of where I would go with a stranger. But I mean, just for the sake of an adventure, got to go somewhere I haven't been before. So I think that opens up again, all of South America. 
Hopefully it's a stranger who could show me around, take me somewhere cool, uh, be a local guide. Other than that, I really don't know. That's just tell me. Or India. I think I think two places yeah. that are are vast and have always been a curiosity are South America and India. Both of them huge. Both of them would take a long time to get to. Both of them don't really know much about. So if there was a stranger who wanted to travel with me that might know a little bit more about those places, that could be pretty cool. Like pre-COVID, there was a, I forget the name of this company, but they did that. It was like a stranger meetup in a new country. And it was such a foreign concept. And I kind of had a conversation about it with a bunch of different expats that were living in down the world. And I was like, you guys know, the people that I met in Taiwan that were strangers to me. And I'm like, you guys do understand that when you travel and you meet people, they are complete strangers. And I asked them, I said, how many times as an expat living abroad, you know, because I've been on 50 countries at that point. I was like, did you go out? Meet somebody, then you spend the rest of your vacation doing things with maybe not everything, but a lot of things with them. And they were like, Man, that, that happens a lot. I was like, Yeah. So, the thing about it is, when you're with a stranger, there are no strings attached. You can always be like, You know what? This ain't working out. I'm out. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. But if you just want somebody that's like a person to know in the destination that you're at, because you never know what you're going to get. And usually, I would say more times than not, my opinion, not a fact, someone who's willing to do that. It's already an outgoing person. And even if you're not, like more times they may, may be that 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 extension or that extra that you need because you you may not be that. And I think um that's a really cool way of exploring. Cause I thought about this. I was like, you know what? For me personally, I wanna go I wanna go to a place that I'm familiar with, just because I'm like I'm a worrier now. Like the older you get, the more you worry. Uh but even if I my but but old school 21 year old crowd be like, hey, you know what? Let's do it. Let's go. What would I say? I would say Amsterdam, but not anymore, because uh, you got you got no people to go to Amsterdam. That's just my opinion, because you can get lost in them alleys. But <laughs> um, for real, my friend got lost in the alley. I don't know how you how do you not see? It doesn't matter. But I um, know I would probably say Spain, oh. because I want uh, someone who had better control of the language than I did. Uh, maybe that, but had never been there because I think that was one of the places that I felt like I didn't get the most out of because they do not try to speak English. And it's not even, well, from the experience that I had, there was not a lot of our, my, the language I could understand being spoken. And they weren't, they weren't even like in a negative way. It was just like, I feel like if you go to another country, you should have some sort of understanding of the language or try at least. But I had none. And I felt like I was limited in what I could have experienced. I felt like I had gone with somebody who had a better control of the language. It would have opened up, opened me up to a lot more. So have you, have you had any experiences like that where knowing the language would have maybe made it a different experience for you? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't speak any foreign languages. And everywhere I've been, I think I would benefit from speaking the local language. When I was in Mexico City, uh, the friend I was traveling with, with he's fluent in Spanish. When I was in Brussels recently, my sister was there with me and she's fluent in French. So in those instances, it was really nice to have somebody who could, you know, speak the language where you are. A couple places where it would have would have been really changing the experience are definitely South Korea and Japan. Um, in both of those countries, we really were using Google Translate on our phone half the time when we were at restaurants, mainly because I have an allergy to shrimp, which oh, yeah. I don't want to encounter that here. I definitely don't want to encounter that when I'm traveling. Just would be a pretty big inconvenience. So that was one reason why when we were ordering at restaurants, using Google Translate to kind of at least convey one thing, being like, we'll eat anything, but not this thing was super important. I say that, but at the same time, 
there were so many friendly people who helped us when we were obviously that lost person walking down the street. I had people come up to me and say, hey, I speak English. Are you lost right now? And you're like, you know what? I am. How do I get to this address? And they're like, oh, just do that. And you're like, wow, thank you so much. Like, I wish I spoke this language, but honestly, that was so helpful. Um, so those two countries definitely would have been nice to have. There's some other places I've traveled, though, where the language barrier, you know, you kind of just work through it and make it work. But then what you were saying about traveling with strangers and how everybody that you meet when traveling, even if you think of them as a friend friend now, they were a stranger, happened to me in Australia. I was sitting down at, the, at a bar, started talking to the bartender. She recognized my English, my American accent and was like, oh, I'm from Georgia. Where are you from? I was like, I'm from Pennsylvania. <laughs> and we became friends and ended up going on a little road trip to the highest mountain in Australia. I definitely would not have done that if I hadn't met this person. Now, I didn't even think about going, I didn't think about going on a road trip from where I was. I didn't think about climbing mountains, but once you meet people and start talking, pretty cool opportunities can, can come up. So yeah, I mean, people, when you first meet them, they're a stranger, but then you just become friends. And then all of a sudden you're going on a little side trip with a friend and it makes a big difference for the trip. And you know how amazing it is that, uh, and well, it's amazing. I also feel, I also feel bad for myself. I don't want to judge anyone else, but I've been, you know, I live in a big city. Well, I lived in the big city, Chicago, but also, you know, Austin. I've been traveling around. Never, well, I won't say never. Very few times when I've been out in America at like touristy places or just out doing anything. Have I looked at someone and I don't know, I don't, this may not be a bad thing, but I'm going to say it out loud. Like, and like, man, they must not be from around here. And I know that's a good thing because it means America is a, a melting pot. When's the last time you've been out and like saying somebody, I don't know, an Asian person or someone that, clearly looks lost and like your first thought is oh like man maybe they're maybe they're visiting i should go and help because like for me it's always like oh you know they they, they lost they better figure it out you know what i mean it's like it doesn't matter what they look like because anyone could, could look like you or i and be not from america but we wouldn't even know it and again i don't i'll dissect this in a later podcast but that's a positive and a negative i'm assuming um but man it's just such a weird thing to think about because i've been in many countries too where i think like I'm a little bit darker, so in some countries it's like, yeah, I know you're not from here, but um, but in most places it's like, yeah, man, well, yeah, you know, interesting. So I guess my last question would be, um, I just lost my last question. I didn't lose it, y'all. I promise it's coming back. But it was, man, it was so big. No, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. One of my last questions would be, okay, um, in America, how do you feel like you can replicate experiences you've had abroad? while also being in America? Or what places would you go to replicate similar experiences you had abroad? The, the generic answer is anywhere that I haven't been yet, mm. as far as where to go to replicate that. Um, but then how, I think just approaching it with pure curiosity, um, kind of getting rid of some of your preconceived notions of, this is what Seattle was because that's what I've seen about it in the news or from other friends who have been there or Austin must be like this because I've always seen on TV shows that it's like that. Or my friend who went there a year ago said it was like that. And instead kind of just thinking like, you know what? They might've said that, but I'm just going to go there with no expectations other than assuming I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to go there. Maybe I'll meet some people. Maybe I won't but I'm just going to go for it and have fun. 
kind of like when I've gone to some cities that I really didn't know too much about around the world. And I went there with the motivation of going, yeah, let's check it out. Let's have fun. I'm going here because that person I met at that hostel two cities ago <laughs> told me to go here and told me to go to that specific hostel or that specific restaurant. So I'm just going to check it out and see what happens. Trying to take that mindset instead of the mindset of, oh, I'm from Pittsburgh. So if I go to San Francisco, it must be X, Y, Z. And just going, yeah, I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm going to go to San Francisco, see what's up. I think it's just like a little mindset change. That first, that was an amazing answer because that, again, is how I look at and how I try to promote the idea of travel, no matter where you're going, like no matter what city or state or place you're in, it's no matter where you go, you're going to have a different experience. And the type of experience you have is really up to you and how you choose to experience that destination. Um, but also uh, who, like who you travel with. Uh, that's really a thing for me. I'm, I realize now that I'm back in America, I, and I ask you all these questions because things that I want to do, I want to travel with. I don't want to say necessarily a stranger, but somebody I don't know very well. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I think it's important to have, I've written about this, outline expectations and things that like like your non-negotiables, like, hey, I'm not I'm not a 6 a.m. let's get up and go person. If you want to get up at 6 a.m., you're more than welcome to do it on your own. I'll be up at my 8.30, Jacob Mama Mo said 9.15. Um, but other than that, it's like I do want to have like different types of experiences in my home country. Um, and then not necessarily compare them to, but kind of see how I can have a this a similar lived experience where I'm from as I've had abroad. And then also take what I learned from exploring here back out into countries that I haven't been. Because again, the world's a big place and there's a lot of places I haven't really been to yet that I definitely want to see and I definitely want to explore more of. Um, and I want to kind of take a different approach to it this time, use the knowledge that I have from traveling before, again, technology, where I couldn't, I couldn't Google translate how to say stuff. I was in Korea and I didn't, we didn't know what to say. It was a lot of this. <laughs> yep. Pointing, figuring it out. And I love that because like, okay, 95% of the time we had a waiter or a waitress or server that was like willing to work. But that 5% when you didn't get somebody that was like, no, go somewhere else. It's like, oh man, you kind of suck. But, um, well, not they kind of suck, but like I kind of suck for not knowing the language, I guess. But yeah, very interesting. A long-winded way of saying, thanks, Zach. It was good to have you on. Do you have anything else you want to share? Any questions? Uh, anything else you want to touch on? You want to elaborate on a little bit more? I mean, I, I love the idea of trying to approach domestic travel as if you're going out of the country. I, I never I never really considered that. I mean, obviously, I've considered the difference between domestic and international travel because there are a lot of differences. But I've never thought of trying to replicate that curiosity and excitement of traveling abroad to traveling domestic. Because when I travel domestic, of course, I'm excited. I'm excited to go wherever I'm going. But when you board a flight for an international trip, I think there's just an extra layer of excitement. And trying to capture that for a domestic trip sounds like a really cool idea. Likewise, I think the idea of traveling with somebody you don't know as well, or even a stranger, that can like help to bring about some pretty interesting experiences. Um, so many of my favorite travel experiences, like I was just mentioning, going on that road trip, came about from talking to people and just keeping your options open, putting yourself out there. And not having any kind of preconceived notions of what you're, what exactly you're going to do. Had I had a day-to-day -day itinerary of I had to do this and then do this and then do this, you would miss out on so many just interesting things happening. But that, you know, you had to build that in and make sure that you have the time to have that open experience. But I thought it was, I think it's pretty, pretty interesting. And I think that those ideas that you presented can bring about some awesome opportunities. 
Yeah, I'm excited because I know even when I think about domestic travel, I don't. I'm like, I'm not gonna ask strangers. America's dangerous as hell. But then when I get when I was trying to get people from abroad to come here, I'm like, oh yeah, America's fine. It's super safe. But it's like, is it? And again, it, it in most places it is. But there are also is you just have to be smart, right? Be smart about the decisions you make, um, and know know who you're talking to. Like you shouldn't find somebody in the alley and be like. Hey, is this a good place to go to? And they're like, yeah, totally. I've never been, but yeah, go have fun. It is, again, making informed and smart, intelligent decisions while traveling can really shift your perspective. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree. But- On that note, uh, do you have a quick story to tell real quick about traveling in Japan? I got to Tokyo. I got there two days before the friends I was meeting up with. So I had two days just on my own. Tokyo is a huge city. It makes New York look like a small village. <laughs> Got there and I was like, whoa, this is awesome. But also, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, how do I do this? And so I had, I stayed at a, at a hostel on one side of town for the first two nights. And then where I was meeting up with my friends, might as well have been in a different state. It was still in Tokyo, but it was so far away. I also didn't have data on my phone. I was like, oh, I'll make it work. I can, I can get by without having data. I don't know Japanese. <laughs> so I was able to get myself... It was probably an hour on mass transit. I got to the neighborhood where I needed to be to meet up with my friends. But once I got to that neighborhood, kind of like you were saying in Amsterdam, it was all just small alleys, small like little little streets. And I was like, I, I'm just not going to be able to find them. Like I don't know how I'm getting to this address. So thankfully, it was still early. It was probably four o'clock in the afternoon, not dark or anything, because again, wanting to have some common sense about just being safe when I'm traveling by myself. But I was like, I, I need to talk to somebody. I don't know where I'm going. So I found a bar. You know, bars are always great to find. Found a bar, walked up to the bartender. I was like, do you speak English? And he was like, a little bit. I was like, okay, cool. I'm trying to get to this address. <laughs> How do I get there? He's like, well, and he told me in English, he's like, my English isn't strong enough to tell you how to get there, but my shift ends in about 15 minutes. I'll walk you there when I'm done. Sold. Bought a beer, drank it. Then he walked me to where I needed to go. And it was like a 15 minute walk. But honestly, like I kind of was like at wit's end of how to get there. And that was the best option. But you were kind of mentioning this a little bit ago, as far as how, like when we're out and about in the States, you never look at somebody and say, you must not be from around here. Cause I would feel really uncomfortable. I've worked in restaurants. I've never had somebody say, Hey, when you're done with your shift, can you walk me to this random address? Cause I'm lost. Never happened. But there it happened and I was so grateful because I'm sure I could have figured something out eventually, but that just made my life so much easier. And it was like, yeah, just kind of trust the trust the experience, trust the system, and also be thankful for friendly people who are well, uh, willing to help tourists that have no idea what they're doing because I could have been in some trouble had I not figured that out because that's a big city and you don't want to be lost there, but very helpful. See, absolutely. That, that just takes me back. And as you were speaking, I'm just thinking, it's like, we used to travel and get maps at the airport <laughs> and we would navigate with maps. Not map, map, not map quest, which was back back then. Not phone, not maps on my phone, not Google, but an actual paper map. And that's how we navigated it, Europe 10 years, 11 years ago. And like, it was so efficient. Again, I was not the map guy. I was the fun friend. I was the energy, get everybody out on time kind of sort of. But man, like, yeah, it's everything's everything's changed. And I don't know if it's for better or for worse. Like, I feel like I'm glad I can find things faster. But I just enjoyed that part of literally exploring and figuring it out as I was going. Because you just don't get that in, like as much as we used to, you know? So, oh, man, great, great story. Thank you. 
Oh, that was an amazing way to end. I have, I have nothing more to add unless you have something to add. It's an amazing story. I know. Uh, this has been really fun. Thank you. Well, thank you, Zach, uh, for joining another episode. Well, an episode of Taiwan On, Black Expat, the Black Expat presents Taiwan On. I have a drink with us, guys, to send us out. Shout out to our sponsor, Kelly X Chen, who also made this mug with my face on it. I know y'all was looking at it. That's me on the cup. That is I. But again, as always, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Taiwan On with the Black Expat Podcast. Thank you so much to Zach for joining me today. It was an amazing conversation. And be sure you like this episode on YouTube, share it with your friends, and also subscribe to the podcast. Y'all know what time it is. One last drink, and then we out you. Cheers. Thanks, Zach. Mm. Till next time. Thanks for having me on.